my definition really goes around productivity. So I think that the definition of clarity is knowing exactly what you're trying to accomplish with specificity, how you're going to get there, what's, what are the intermediate outcomes that lead to the big outcome, and, and how to focus so that you can use all of your powers to go one step at a time towards a goal. Ready to learn why cash flow and compassion are not mutually exclusive? Each week, brand strategist, speaker, and author Maria Ross will introduce you to the trailblazing brands and leaders who embrace empathetic tactics to reap huge rewards. You'll learn about winning teams, brand wins and fails, unforgettable customer experience, and bold leadership decisions fueled by compassion. You'll get the latest trends and research, discover practical ways to infuse more empathy into your work and life, and hear from innovative market leaders who've smashed outdated models and redefined success. Welcome to the Empathy Edge podcast, the show that proves empathy isn't just good for society, it's great for business. You know the meeting. Rambling conversations, tangents, vague instructions, frustration. Not only is this frustrating, but it's downright unempathetic to people. What is this lack of clarity costing you in terms of productivity, engagement, and bottom line budget? Today, my guest, the queen of clarity, Anne Latham, shares why we aren't clear and what it's costing us. Anne is the founder of US-based consulting firm, Uncommon Clarity. Her clients represent over 40 industries and range from organizations such as Boeing, Hitachi, and Medtronic to nonprofits such as the Public Broadcasting Service, the United Way, and colleges and universities. Anne's advice has appeared in publications such as the New York Times, Bloomberg, and Management Today. She's also an expert blogger for Forbes.com. Today, Anne talks about how clarity unleashes next steps. We talk about where clarity is and where it is not in your organization, three requirements for creating clarity, and what you can do today to increase clarity in your organization and boost productivity and engagement. I'll give you a spoiler. Eliminate treadmill verbs. Find out what we mean by that and take a listen. Let's get connected. If you're loving this content, don't forget to go to theempathyedge.com and sign up for the email list to get free resources and more empathy-infused success tips and find out how you can book me as a speaker. I want to hear how empathy is helping you be more successful. So please sign up now at theempathyedge.com. Oh, and follow me on Instagram where I'm always posting all the things for you at Red Slice Maria. Welcome, Anne Latham, to the Empathy Edge podcast today. I am very, very excited to talk to you about one of my favorite topics, which is clarity. So welcome. Thank you, Maria. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. So you wrote a book called The Power of Clarity, and you've also written some other books called The Clarity Papers and Uncommon Meetings. Your business is called Uncommon Clarity. Tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get to this work focused around the concept of clarity? Right. That's a great question. I, I believe I started out fairly clear and then I was a math major. So, <laughs> you know, it was all about clarity and problem solving and that kind of thing. But actually, before I left my corporate job and started my business, 
I asked my former bosses, my boss, my coworkers, colleagues, I asked them, I said, what is it that I do exceptionally well that is most unusual? And what a great question. I got these, thank you. It was a great question. I got these wonderful, thoughtful responses. And they all pointed to the fact that I create clarity. So it was, you know, I take in massive quantities of information and cut to the chase, find the kernel that's most important. I take a room full of people who are all thinking on different wavelengths and bring them together to find common ground and figure out what will move us forward. And so I looked up the URL for Uncommon Clarity and it was available. So <laughs> I took it and that's what I named my business. And it, and it was really a good move because it really, I am my brand. So I haven't had to fake it, you know, and I, though I have to admit when I first told people my company's called Uncommon Clarity, I was certain that the next words out of my mouth would be complete gibberish. (laughs) I would make no sense whatsoever. But I do remember after a couple months of networking, one woman I had been, uh, I was a volunteer at 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 an organization. And so she introduced me to someone at a networking function and she said, this is Ann Latham. And she really is uncommonly clear. And I thought, ah, I've made it. (laughs) It You have, you have, you've made it. And what exactly do you help your clients do around clarity? Is it around communications? Is it around goal setting? What is it? It's really helping them figure out where they are where they can go and how to get there. So a lot of strategic planning, a lot of team effectiveness, a lot of productivity work. It's been all over the map and my clients represent 40 industries. So, and everyone needs clarity. I know. I was like, that's like every business owner ever needs you. It sounds like, but that's right. Yeah, that's right. But the thing is that they don't know. They, they, they all say, Oh, uncommon clarity. We could use some of that. Mm -hmm. But then the next step is, is it, you know, it's like mom and apple pie clarity is it's yeah there's not a lot of urgency because they don't know what it is we don't really know what clarity is we don't Mm -hmm. recognize it when we have it we don't know what we're missing when we don't Mm -hmm. so people don't they don't buy clarity they buy the strategic planning you know they they want a specific problem solved they don't want clarity that's just too vague Right. And that's why I had to write the book is because I had to tell them what clarity is yeah and talk to us about why aren't we as clear as we think we are? And what is that costing us? Yeah. Okay. So the first chapter is called, we aren't as clear as we think we are and it's costly. And, and it's full of examples that show us that we're, we really aren't as clear as we think we are. Mm -hmm. And it's ways we don't even recognize. Like give us an example. Right. So in one case, I, I had a reader uh, send me an email one day and she says, how can I, how can I think faster on my feet? So I thought it was an interesting question. I got back to her and I asked her some questions and, and she's a, a healthcare worker uh, in a, a wing of a hospital, very confident. When I asked her, you know, what she does and in, in the circumstances when she does think quickly on her feet, you know, she knows her stuff. She's, she's really good. But the, the situation where she is not feeling confident is when the big wigs show up on her wing and they say, well, how are things going? And they ask the world's most vague questions. And she's trying to figure out, well, now how do I sound on top of it and intelligent and say something that's valuable and succinct with such a ridiculous question? (laughs) And And she didn't realize, and that's what's so sad is that people don't realize that it's the question that's at fault. You know, so 
here you have this woman who's feeling inadequate and she's just tongue tied. She doesn't know how to answer this question. And she is feeling like she's failed. And that's why she writes me. Whereas the reality is she was asked a really stupid question. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're coming into the, the wing of the hospital and you want to find out what's going on, ask something specific that's useful and not just make random small talk. Right. right. So that's one example. And, I, and the whole chapter is filled with additional examples. And, and what do you I think? Give what you do you, more. No, what do you think that that costs organizations? Like who just think, well, you know, clarity is not an important priority for us right now. Right. Well, so in that particular case, it cost her her self-esteem and her confidence and really undermined her. But in another case, another example I talk about is when a vice president asked a brand new director to look into the idea of putting sun cream dispensers in public parks. And this was also, interestingly enough, a healthcare company. And they thought if we have these branded devices in the parks and, you know, busy moms and dads would get to the park and realize they forgot to put sunscreen on and they'd be so appreciative, you know, it was great marketing opportunity. So this brand new director says, okay, I'll look into that. And she goes off and she figures out, you know, what would it cost to install these things? What's maintenance like? What kind of permits? Have people done it before? What's their track record? And so she did this phenomenal job of digging into this and figuring out what would be required and came back with a recommendation. And this was about three weeks later and her team of like four people helped her, right? So she, she gives a recommendation and her boss just rolled his eyeballs and said, you know, she, she, he was totally disappointed because all he wanted was a like 10 minute gut reaction so that he could tell another vice president who dreamed up this idea that it was a bad idea. Oh my goodness. And here's this, this person. And, and furthermore, I mean, not only was this new direct report like destroyed, but her team lost faith in her and the, the vice president hired me to coach her to try to do something about her lack of judgment. Wow. I think he's the one that needed the coaching. Well, yeah. And, and, (laughs) but neither the, the woman nor the boss recognized the root cause of what happened here. Mm -hmm. And he said, look into this. Right. So, you know, so think of the cost three weeks lost time by this woman and her team Mm -hmm. on, on top of that lost opportunities, of course, for the things they could have been doing destroyed credibility with her boss destroyed trust Mm -hmm. from this employee of in her boss uh, loss of respect from her staff I mean the cost is enormous Mm -hmm. and you know he might have just fired her outright instead he's going to pay me too I mean all of these are costs right 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 so where where can organizations determine where clarity is and isn't in the organization? How can they figure out where there might be gaps? Right. That's a good one. So one way I like to think about this is that we have made tremendous improvements in our productivity and our efficiency, but primarily through lean and lean thinking. And this is primarily on the factory floor. So these are and not just factory four, but in your production processes, the production processes that get your value out the door to the customer. Mm-hmm. And all these processes, for the most part, are physical processes. So these are processes that move physical objects. They move parts. 
they move materials, they move order forms, they move mortgage applications, we're moving physical objects. And where we have made like zero progress is in moving cognitive objects, things like ideas, decisions, strategies, plans, cognitive objects that we're still operating the same way we did decades and decades ago, because we simply don't have the tools for moving decisions effectively through an organization. Mm. If you asked a room full of people, how do you make a decision? You would get more answers than there are people in the room. Mm-hmm. Because there isn't a method that people agree on. There's not a shared vocabulary. So, you know, and you could argue decision-making is absolutely the most important activity for any person in any organization, because mm-hmm. we make decisions all day long and decisions unleash next steps. They are what constitute honest to goodness progress so that you can move other things forward. Mm-hmm. So here's decisions, totally critical. And yet what we typically do is get in a meeting bunch of people start talking and they talk around and they're really talking about multiple things at once. Right. Maybe a decision comes out and maybe it doesn't. So I would say that where the clarity isn't in the organizations is in what I call the cognitive zone. Mm -hmm. Workers who spend their time moving cognitive objects like decisions, plans, strategies. That means all the knowledge workers, all the managers, all the executives, and when you think about it, you know, you, there's a lot of people who will tell you that, you know, we're really only productive a couple hours a day. And that I used to think that was because people wasted time. No, 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 no. It's because there are so many obstacles. Everything takes longer than it should. We've right. got slow meetings that produce almost nothing. We've got too much email. So here we are, cognitive workers who are trying to move ideas, decisions, and plans, having what, you know, it's probably like 20% uptime, cognitive uptime, I call it, mm-hmm. you know, production uptimes run 99%, cognitive mm-hmm. uptimes, it runs 20%. And we don't seem to care. Right. We do nothing about it. Well, this is so interesting because that is such a, such a burden on organizations and they don't know how to articulate that burden. They say it's just the fault of too many meetings. Like they're not really thinking about the level you're talking about, which is the, the ability to move cognitive tasks forward. And the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast is for me, clarity is so empathetic. Clarity requires you to think about the other person's point of view and what they're able to understand and retain. And nothing drives me crazier than when I see communications or emails or meeting agendas that are unclear you know, I'm always, I'm always the annoying person in the meeting. That's like, okay, so what are we actually going to do? Like, what have we decided is our actual next step, but also when people put together, when they're promoting an event or they're promoting anything and they leave out details that, you know, like, where is it taking place or what time does it end? Or it's the obvious points of, of missing clarity that actually bug me the most. And so I'm just wondering, do you see that correlation between clarity and empathy in terms of like the listener and the receiver? Well, I really think that clarity paves the way for empathy. Because mm-hmm. if you're, if you're, if you're totally unclear, and believe me, people are less far less clear than they think they are. If you're mm-hmm. not clear, you're not on the same page, you're not on the same wavelength. How can you even begin to be empathetic? You, you make requests like look into this and waste someone's time for three weeks, and you never recognize that that's what you've done, right? You know? So there should be lots of empathy there, but they don't even see what happened. Mm-hmm. So they can't go, oh my goodness, I did that to you. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. There's a lot of obvious ways in which we're unclear, but the real costly ones are the ones where we don't even recognize it. Mm. Like you brought up meetings, you know, um, if you think about it, all the advice we get for meetings is, is about rules and tools and controlling other people. Well, you know, like the people are the problem. Well, you know, that's not empathetic at all, but the solution is clarity. And that is you simply ask, answer the question, what needs to be different when we're done? Right. What concrete, tangible outcome are we going to walk away with that unleashes next steps that we don't have now? So if you're that clear, everyone can be on the same page. Everyone can contribute their most, you know, their maximum and do their best. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows where things stand. They know what we're doing right this minute. We're not jumping around and having conversations that go back and forth from subject to subject to subject and jump mm-hmm. back again. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes not only empathy possible, it makes progress possible. <laughs> it makes, you know, it's like, well, I think we just have such a mishmash normally that it's, you struggle to be empathetic. Yeah. But the real problem is that we, we aren't on the same page about what we're trying to accomplish. What role does neurodiversity play in this? Because if people think differently, if they process information differently, how do you actually define clarity? Because what could be clarity to one person based on the way their brain works and they think they're being clear because of the way their brain works doesn't map to the way someone else thinks. So how, do you, how can you define clarity across neurodiversity? All right. So- I think the book is all about productivity and also the subtitle is how to unleash, unleash the true potential of workplace productivity, confidence, and empowerment. So it's not just productivity. It's all about those other things too. But the, the thing is, is that my definition really goes around productivity. So I think that the definition of clarity is knowing exactly what you're trying to accomplish with specificity how you're going to get there, what's, what are the intermediate outcomes that lead to the big outcome, and, and how to focus so that you can use all of your powers to go one step at a time towards a goal. So if you have people who think about things differently, you can still come down to saying, you know, what are we doing right? What's the next step? The next step is to make a decision about X. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll tell you a story about, I was in a meeting with a uh, about seven executives and I was going to talk to them about doing a project with them. And they had an urgent issue come up. So they asked if I would just be patient while they talked about this urgent issue. And so I sat there patiently for about five minutes, which is a long time for me because I was going crazy. And I finally interrupted them and they just looked at me with dagger eyes, you know, like, who are you to interrupt us? And I said, do you realize that you are talking about five different decisions and two different plans all simultaneously. And their anger kind of, you know, looked at me like, what is she talking about? So I listed the five decisions, the two plans, and all of a sudden the energy was just, I mean, that the, the anger was transformed in energy because suddenly it was obvious what those five decisions were, what order they needed to answer them and make those decisions and what they needed to do with those two plans. So instead of going around and around, inevitably would have been an hour and they probably Mm -hmm. would have had to schedule another meeting. They made those five decisions in the next 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. They knew what they needed to do in relation to those two plans. It's the first couple of steps. 
and they were done in 15 minutes and we were ready to move on. Well, and then you truly so, earned that queen of clarity title. And then they're like, okay, how do we hire you? Cause we've yeah. just seen your value in action. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but you know, so I don't care about how different ways people think approach mm-hmm. that. If you go, look, there's five decisions involved here and we need to answer to make this one first. Mm-hmm. It gets, then you can bring all your different diversity to that decision. But mm-hmm. let's agree we're making that decision. Let's agree that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And then you make one decision and then you go on to the next decision. And every one of those decisions unleashes real progress. It's not just talk. It's not just activity. It's individual cognitive objects that move things forward. So what are the three requirements for creating clarity? Let's give some folks some practical markers to look for right. and create. So, so the first one is specificity. And the one, the example we we're just talking about is perfect. What specific question are we going to make? What is a specific decision? You know, what's, what is it specifically, <laughs> not just generally. And when you think about decisions, even big decisions are really just a series of small decisions and you break those down and you get specific and then you can move things forward. So specificity is number one. Number two is, is process clarity. And I tend to redefine process. Most people think about process as a series of steps, a series of activities. But to me, it's a series of intermediate outcomes. So each step should produce a real tangible outcome. And it's oftentimes decision number one, decision number two, plan number three, you know, is in step number three. And you, you have these tangible, concrete, cognitive objects that move things forward. So Process clarity helps ensure that everybody realizes what the steps are, what what outcome are we working on now, and then you can move on to the next outcome, and and it helps everyone focus and get on the same page. So the third critical element is focus. So you can have a great idea of what you're trying to accomplish. You can know what the process is, but if you're wandering all over the place and not focused, you won't won't accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. So focus means obviously turn off all distractions and all disruptions and be sure you've got the resources there you need so that you can put all your resources, whether it's all these people in the room or you alone at your desk, you actually are doing the one step you said needed to be done next. Mm -hmm. So if you have those three pieces, then you will know exactly what you're trying to accomplish, how you're going to get there, with whom you need to work and have the focus to get it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's valuable. And actually I'm, I, this might be a question for you. Is it valuable to have that person in the conversation who can redirect focus when it strays? I feel like in the, when I do brand workshops with clients, for example, I have to play that role a lot because they'll end up going down these rabbit holes and I have to go, whoa, whoa, yep. whoa, bring it back in. Remember we're discussing this. Does that role have to be present in every one of those interactions to maintain that focus? Or do you think people can do it on their own? That role has to be there. Yeah. Or they do it on their own. But right. that's part of the point of my book is to teach people how to see the lack of clarity that exists so that then they can learn the specific techniques that I get into that help them create clarity. And so you can do it for yourself. I mean, I do it for myself Mm -hmm. and I, I actually do all the things in that book for myself. And that's the whole reason I wrote the book was to 
understand, you know, what, what is it that I actually do that I bring to these to other people? And mm-hmm. so I, I wanted to get it down so people could learn to do it for themselves. Right. So the book, I think. So does. there's basically it's, there's hope if you feel like you're part of a dysfunctional team or an organization. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And it starts out with seeing how unclear we are. Yes. Once you start seeing it, then you, you can't, can't unsee not it. see it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I love leaving listeners with actionable habits in these interviews as often as I can. What are three things that someone listening can do today to increase clarity? Okay. My favorite is probably quit using treadmill verbs. I call them treadmill verbs because like being on a treadmill, they never reach a destination. And these verbs are going to sound incredibly familiar because we use them all the time. Words like review, report, communicate, share, inform. If you ask someone to review something, they can review it forever. There's no way to know when you're done. Right. If you ask someone to report, they can report forever. Please report is an open invitation to talk without purpose. So to me, I call these treadmill verbs and I say, eliminate them. They are just an invitation to talk. What do you need? Do you need, a, do you need, and I, this actually flows into number two, and that is that you should always be working towards one of the six cognitive objects that I've identified that are true steps towards progress. The number one is a decision because they're so important. So you sh- what decision do we need next? Number two is a plan. What plan do we need? Number three is a problem resolution. What will resolve our problem? Number four is a list. And what's a list doing on there? A list is an input to those other three. So Mm -hmm. for instance, when you're making a decision, you need to know what the decision criteria are. That's Mm -hmm. one list. You need to know what your options are. That's another list. So as long as you're specific about what list you're creating, you know when you're done, because when you've finished putting everything you can think of on the list, you're done, mm-hmm. you can move on. Mm-hmm. So a list feeds into those, those other three, because by the way, they're all multiple step processes. Mm-hmm. And so there are multiple out- outcomes needed to make a plan. For instance, if you, uh, the lists that you might need for a plan include list of resources, list of risks, list of action items, you know, all kinds of lists. Owners, dates, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So if you were, if you, if you want to create a, a plan, you need all those individual lists. And so you may not finish your plan all at once, but at any given moment, you should know what list you're working on. <laughs> and that prevents you from going around in a big conversation, what I call a kitchen sink conversation that keeps right. jumping around from one thing to another. So recap those first two for us. The first one was. The first one is a decision. What's the decision? You know, when you've made a decision, you're done. You know, mm-hmm. it's obvious. A plan. A plan. A problem resolution. Right. A list. And then there are two more. Right. And then, there, but there were, that was like a subset of the second one. So you had your three things to do to increase clarity. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, these are the, these, oh, these are yeah, the takeaway tips. These are the cognitive six. These are oh, the things. Oh, got it. Okay. You should always you're giving be us more than three. Okay. The cognitive six. Got yeah. It. So a decision plan, problem resolution, a list, which is an input to the other four. Number five is confirmation. Mm-hmm. You want confirmation. This happens in meetings all the time where someone comes in and says, look, I've done this so far. I'm going to do this next. Am I on the right track? Mm-hmm. But instead of getting a yes or no, 
they get an onslaught of advice and war stories and, you know, great ideas. And they don't want that. They're on step two and they don't want to hear about step 10 yet. You know, yeah. they haven't even started thinking about it. So, but confirmation is easy and it unleashes next steps. You tell mm-hmm. me I'm on the right track. Good. Yep. I can go back and get to work. Yeah. And the sixth one, the sixth one is, is authorization or approval. Same idea. I want to do this next. Do I have permission? Can I go implement? And if you say yes, you've unleashed next steps. So at any given time, whether you're alone at your desk or in a meeting, if you're not working on an actual product, you should be pursuing one of those cognitive six because each one represents discernible progress and unleashes next steps. So of the treadmill verbs was the first one. Quit using yes. treadmill verbs. Yes. Always be pursuing cognitive six. I love it. I love it so much. So what, what have you seen in terms of an evolution in organizational cultures? Do you find that, that clarity is lacking more than as things have gotten more complex? Do you think executives and leaders are more cognizant of a lack of clarity now than they used to be? Have you seen any trends in your, your, you know, your movement of clarity within organizations? Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing the word more. People are realizing it's more important. They're talking about it more. But compared to the way I talk about clarity, it's really quite superficial. It's talking about having a clear purpose, but most people's idea of a clear purpose is really vague. It's not specific enough to mm-hmm. really unleash next steps. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, but it's good that people are starting to talk about it more because they will start paying more attention and then we'll get deeper into it. And we'll actually, you know, use the techniques in my book to create real clarity that moves things forward. Yeah. I love how you talk about just even reframing meetings and group conversations around unleashing next steps. It's very mm-hmm. action oriented. And, exactly. and I really, I really like that. I'm even thinking about a meeting I have to go to tonight with my son's school. <laughs> and usually those go round and round and round, you know? And so just having that eye towards why are we here and what are the next steps we want as the outcome to this hour we're going to spend together. Right. We have to have those next steps clearly mapped out. Yeah. And that's so important because everyone knows that meetings can be a waste of time. So they create, you know, it was probably in the nineties or so where everyone said, Oh, you have to have an agenda. I'm not going to go to the meeting if there's not an agenda. So people started creating agendas filled with treadmill verbs. You know, we're going to report, discuss, review, update, you know, and so it didn't help. They thought they were being specific and clear. No way. They were filling these agendas with treadmill verbs. So it accomplished nothing. Just a waste of time. Totally. But yeah. So uh, this work is so powerful and I think sorely needed. And like I said, for me, the, the link between clarity and empathy is so important. I mean, in, in my work with my brand story and messaging clients, I'm all about helping them clarify their message. Their messages have gotten so complex that no one can actually understand what they do or what value they provide. And so a lot of it is about, you know, pairing away the extraneous to what, you know, what do we do? why is it valuable and who right. do we serve? Right. So this really, this topic really resonated with me. So I'm so happy to have you. So the book again is called the power of clarity 
and we'll have all your links in the show notes. Where can folks for that are listening to this on the go, where can they find out more about you and your work? I think the simplest is to go to annlatham.com. That's Anne without an E and Latham, L-A-T-H-A-M. Perfect. And from there, you can find all my books. You can learn more about me. And uh, that's probably the fastest. Awesome. Thank you so much, Anne, for your time today and your insights. Thank you. It's been fun. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the empathy edge. Remember to share it with a colleague or a friend who might be interested. Also, please remember to rate and review. We love those until next time. Please remember that cash flow, creativity, and compassion are not mutually exclusive. Take care and be kind. Thanks for listening to this episode of the empathy edge. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to share the show with others who want to redefine success and change the game. For more on how empathy makes you and your brand more successful, visit TheEmpathyEdge.com. There, you can download a free guide outlining five business benefits of empathy and a free sample chapter of Maria's book, The Empathy Edge. Until next time. Remember that a more empathetic world starts with you and leads to tremendous success.